0: All right. Acts chapter three. We're in Acts chapter three. If you're new or visiting uh, here at Calvary, we go through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. and We find ourselves in the book of Acts. If you'd like to pick up CDs are available on the rack over there. They're free. Uh, you can catch up because uh, it's too hard to try to catch people up. That's why we have CDs. And so we find ourselves in Acts chapter three this morning. Father, we're just going to continue in our worship of you by calming our hearts. We thank you that we are so spoiled. 500 pies. Father, we're spoiled. We're just spoiled. And we thank you for blessing us with so much that we live in a country where we can gather food to bless others with. So, so spoiled. So, Father, we thank you for that. And we do just want to clear our minds of the day or this past week. If there's anything we need to bring to your throne right now, we want to do that so we can have a clear mind, an open heart, open ears to listen to what your Holy Spirit might tell us individually might teach us, might show us, might even rebuke us individually as well as corporately. We want to know you better, Father, this day. Give us fresh manna. I pray for the gift of teaching, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's start in verse 1, even though we're going to pick it up in verse 11. Let's start at verse 1, chapter 3, to get the context of our text. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And this was in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, 600 years before Islam. Just wanted to throw that out for you, make sure you understand history. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who had entered the temple." We mentioned last week about how many times may maybe Jesus passed by this individual or the disciples. We don't know. Just something to think about. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. He needed to eat. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. He gave the man a command. Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And we talked last week how we see a dual responsibility here. Peter is stepping out in faith. But now this man man who's been lame from birth, he has to reach out his hand. He has a choice. As we mentioned last week, he could have said, you're mocking me, you're ridiculing me. What what are you doing? I haven't walked my whole life. This is going to tie in with the study this morning because what happened to Jesus just a few months earlier, was not hidden. This man was in Jerusalem. He knew that there was a man who came in on a donkey. Hosanna, Hosanna. He knew that a week later this man was crucified with the common thieves. And that there was a story that he rose from the grave, but the religious elite said the guards were asleep and his disciples came and stole the body. He heard all this. He knew all this. He was aware of what was going on around him. So he had faith to put out his hand. And maybe you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with God via Jesus Christ. And you're saying, well, you know, if if I just saw a miracle. No, that's an excuse. Because if you saw one miracle, you would say, oh, that was just a coincidence. If I see a miracle. (laughs) No, no, it's called faith. For we're saved by faith through grace. Are you willing to reach out? Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit's here. Para, The Holy Spirit is in this room right now inviting you to to a personal relationship. You have to make the choice. God is not going to kick down the door. And so this man, he reached out. He reached out. He took him by the right hand. And Peter lifted him up. And immediately, now this is a miracle. Absolute miracle. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And so he, leaping up, never walked in his life, and now he's jumping. Leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Walking, leaping, and praising God. This man who had to be carried everywhere his whole life is now walking into the temple area. Could you imagine... How many times he probably desired to go into the temple area. I I wish I wasn't begging. I wish I wasn't here begging for food. Look at all these people going into the temple. They get to see the temple itself. All the thoughts this man had. And now he's walking in. And what is he doing? And praising Peter. Is that what your Bible says? Praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging. Do you see this here? It's not, well, I wonder if it was him. No, they knew. There was a miracle that took place. This was the guy for years, his whole life, who has been brought to the temple to beg for funds. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. I mean, wouldn't you be? Wouldn't I be? Wait a minute. How are you walking? Were you faking the whole time? Were you just wanting a free meal? What is going on? And now we pick up our text for this morning. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John... Now, he's not hanging on to them for balance, but for appreciation. You see, there's nothing wrong with having an appreciative heart for someone who serves the Lord. But we're going to find out Peter and John are going to do the right thing. They're going to point the people to the one who did the work, God. You see, one of the things that we can do while we're studying the book of Acts is to learn how believers should handle themselves for you and me today. Because again, people will often say, well, the Bible is not relevant. The Bible is very relevant if you desire to make it relevant. If you desire to grow in the Lord and be used of the Lord, it is super relevant. And so we can learn, even from the situation that we're going to see, not to touch God's glory. But when God uses you and somebody says, thank you, or whatever the case may be, you don't have to go on, oh, no, that's new. You don't have to go on. It's simple. The best thing that you can do, and I learned this decades ago, the best thing you can do is just say, thank you. It was really God, but, but thanks. And leave it at that. Just leave it at that. Don't make a big to deal about your humility. Just leave it. Just say thanks. Just say thanks. And point them to God. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, notice that. This would have been a great time to take up a collection right here. Peter could have fleeced the flock really quick right here. No. Peter knew himself. He knew John. Hung out with him for three and a half years. If you're doing the daily reading, which I encourage you to do whatever daily reading that might be, today in the daily reading... It's the final week of our Lord's life. And it says that as he went to the temple area, that he was healing the blind and curing the lame. In the temple area, just prior to his crucifixion. This guy is outside the gate, begging. And there are people in the temple area being healed of their blindness and of their lameness. He knew what was going on. He knew Jesus. Do you know him personally? Most likely not. But he knew of him. But again, now he's going to get a relationship with Jesus. Which again, ties into maybe you this morning. Maybe you've heard of Jesus, but do you know him in your heart? Have you received him? Or maybe you've known him and you've been away from him for whatever reason. We're glad you're here. God's loved you the whole time, by the way. He never left you, never forsook you. He was never mad at you. You you won't find that in the scriptures. He's not mad at you. Now you will find in the scriptures that we, we, believers, can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And that grieving is our conscience, is that, is that pulling us back to the cross. So God, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And that's a good thing. That helps us remember, wow, I'm accountable. God loves me and he desires me to be right with him. As though by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers. Remember, he's talking to Jews here. They know what he's talking about. Glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. Pilate could find no accusation. He's committed nothing wrong. I'm going to let him go. Crucify him. Crucify him. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, yes, The faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. I mean, Peter does a great job of pointing out the facts that it was the faith that they had in Jesus, who are the they, I believe it's Peter and John and also the lame man that caused this man to be healed. Now, we need to be very careful here at this point because there's been a movement for several years, for many years in Christianity, that if a person only has enough faith, they would be healed. It's not biblical and it's not true. And we see examples in the scriptures that show us that. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and if you're newer visiting, the team does a great job of putting slides up. So you can look up here, you'll see the white cross, that tells you roughly where in the 66 books of the Bible, there's actually 66 little rectangles up there. So we encourage you to have a Bible, to follow along, I would encourage you to have a paper Bible, nothing wrong with your app, I totally get it, but I greatly encourage you also to have a paper Bible, so important in these days we're living in. Let's drive home the obvious point that not everyone will be healed of their illnesses because God has a plan. God has a plan even in our illnesses. If you're here this morning and you've been praying and praying and praying and you're disappointed with God, get your eyes off of yourself and get your eyes back on God. He's got a plan and a purpose even through your illness. We just need to be open to the ultimate plan for our lives. As Paul shares, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan. Notice this. As you read the word, you will find that the enemy has to approach the throne of God before he can touch us. But God allowed this to take place. God allowed this illness to come upon Paul lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I asked the Lord three times. Is that what your Bible says? I pleaded. I pleaded with the Lord. God, please heal me. I believe that it was his eyesight. I wouldn't debate with anyone about it. But I believe the scriptures show us that it was his eyesight. I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, the Lord speaking, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Notice that. My strength, God's strength. In my life is perfected or completed or brought to maturity in my life through possible weakness, however that might be, which could also be an illness. Therefore, Paul goes on to say now, therefore most gladly I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm not going to keep asking God. I asked, I pleaded three times. God said enough. All right. I've heard. I'm done. I'm going to use it for your glory. And I'm going to boast in those infirmities that you've allowed to come into my life in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses. This is un-American right here. This list, guys, this is un-American. And if you're watching Christian fiction on TV, this is un-Christian. Christians should not experience any of this. We're the king's kids. We shouldn't go through any of this. We should be happy and healthy, blab it and grab it, confess it, possess it. It's nonsense. In persecution, in distresses, notice here, for Christ's sake. If I go out and step in front of a car and get hit, that wasn't for Christ's sake. That was for stupidity's sake. So make sure that you keep it in, in context. For Christ's sake, and here's the key. Listen to Paul's heart here. Here is the whole key to what he's sharing. For when I am weak, Paul learned, after a few decades, for when I am weak, he is strong. Paul was a Pharisee. He was strong in the, in, in the ways of God. Did he know God? I think he knew God. Did he have a relationship with God? I don't think so. He had a relationship with religion. He was killing Christians. He was a fanatic. He was ISIS in the first century. But he came to realize, when I am weak, through my illnesses, through reproaches, through needs, persecutions, whatever it might be, then I'm strong. Why? Why is he saying that? Because when you and I are weak, who should we lean on? Who do we lean against? Hopefully, God, the Holy Spirit. And so I learn in that process of life, when anything comes into my life, I'm just going to lean into God. I'm just going to lean into God more. Oh, the enemy's coming at me? I'm just going to lean into God more. Because greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world, right? But oftentimes as Americans, you know, we just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and try to make it better by being more stupid and making more poor choices. No. Lean into God, guys. Lean into God. Back in Acts chapter three, seventeen through twenty-one. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, unknowing, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all His prophets that the Christ the anointed one, Christ, Greek, New Testament, Messiah, Hebrew, Old Testament, that the Christ would suffer. He thus he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So let's break this down. Peter admits in verses 17 and 18 that Jesus had to suffer, which they didn't understand while Jesus was with them. They were ignorant themselves of that simple fact. They were unknowing. They were unlearned because they had presuppositional thinking. The Christ is going to conquer. He's not going to suffer. We're going to rule over Rome. I want to sit on your right hand. No, no, no. I want to sit on your right hand. Let's argue about it on the final night of our Lord's being with us, the Passover. Who's going to sit on the right and left hand? After three years, let's keep arguing about it. They didn't have a clue. These guys did not have a clue. They were in search of power, prestige, prominence. They were ignorant that the Messiah came the first time as a suffering servant and not as a conquering Christ. The second return, though, will bring the conquering Christ. Jesus is coming back. And they were looking for that. Jesus will then judge the world in truth and righteousness, which is so desperately needed today. It's just crazy what's going on in our country today. Verse 19, repent, which means what? Be converted, turn to God. That's what repent means. It, all it means is turn 180 degrees, stop going in the direction you're going, and turn to God. Because this is the only way that all of our sins can be removed forever. Again, remember who he's talking to here. Religious Jews. And to this day, there are religious Jews. They're really minor, especially over in Israel. It's a very, very minor percentage of Jews. Most Jews in Israel today don't even believe in God. There is no God. Why? Well, if you had an aunt, an uncle, a mother, a father, a grandmother, a grandson, went through a Holocaust, would you believe in God? Through a fire? Through extermination? Where was God? Through experimentation? Babies cut up to experiment? Experiment? Where was God? So we don't blame them. We pray for them. God, open their eyes to your love. Remove the bitterness from their heart. You see, there is no amount of religious activities that can do that. And the Jews gather. We're very familiar with religious activities, guys. And it's the same for today, unfortunately. It comes in a different package. It's the Mormons, the Jehovah Witnesses, Muslims, Catholicism, and many other isms. You see, people are trying to work their way to heaven or to a better state next time around. By balancing the scales, here's the basic principle, by balancing the scales with good deeds versus their sinful nature. And religious Jews will still do this today. Matter of fact, if you really want something from a religious Jew, ask them 10 days prior to the Day of Atonement. And you'll most likely get it. Because they want to balance the scale in their minds. I've got ten days before the Day of Atonement. I got to be right with God, and so I got to do good deed, good deed, good. I got—I don't know what how bad I was this past year, but boy, I got to do a lot of good deeds these last ten days so I can balance the scales. So get this picture of a scale in your mind, balancing the scales, because that's what religion tries to do—balancing the scales with good deeds versus their sinful nature. You see, there's nothing refreshing. As Peter just mentions in our text here, there's nothing refreshing about being religious because it doesn't work. It just does not work. A person will never be able to know for certain that they did enough to balance the scales. And even when you take the analogy of a scale, like I mentioned to you, just get that in your mind, that picture of the scale, the sins are not blotted out. They're on display for all to see. If the scale will tip towards heaven, or if the scale will tip towards hell. Let's look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. And if you're new or visiting, get ready to use your Bible because we like using our Bibles around here. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared, towards mankind, when Jesus showed up, not by works of righteousness which we have done, But according to his mercy, he saved us. Notice that. Not by your religious obligations that you fulfilled this past week. No, 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 no. But by his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You see, Peter is debugging the program. These are religious Jews coming to the temple. They would go three times a day up to the temple to pray. They would offer sacrifices, animal, grain, wine. They would bring these sacrifices to cover their sins, to be forgiven. Let's balance the scales. Let's balance the scales. No, you can't balance the scales. That having been justified by his grace, we should be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I was born and raised into a religion where this took place, the balancing of the scales, and I didn't even try. There was no way I could balance the scale. I just forget that nonsense. I'm going to go out and eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow I might just die. It was not even on my mind. And I'm glad that I was delivered of that mentality. Instead, I've known that all of my sins which have been many over the last 41 years as a believer, unfortunately, we still sin as believers. We should sin less. We'll never be sinless, but we should be sinning less. Have been blotted out. This is so key. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. You see, the bottom line is there is no scale. You either have Jesus as your Savior or You don't. You are either a saint or you are an ain't. It's that simple. The S is Savior. If you're an ain't, you need a Savior. You need to admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Colossians chapter 1, 21 says... And you, speaking to the Christian here, to the believer, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Was that anyone in here? Anybody fit that? Raise your hand if, that's you, if that was you. For the rest of you, you should be raising your hand because you are all wicked. Every single one of you in this room. That's why my hand's up. Before I knew Christ, I was wicked. The Bible tells me that. I was a son of disobedience. I was a child of the devil. That's who I was. Read your Bible. God wasn't in me. I wasn't a son of God. I needed a savior. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. When did he reconcile you? When did he reconcile you? When you asked for forgiveness? Is that when he reconciled you? That's why we have crosses around this place. Jesus reconciled the whole world at the cross. He reconciled Hitler at the cross. Stalin. Pol Pot. He reconciled them. Now, did they receive that reconciliation? Did they appropriate that reconciliation? No. But if they would have, they would have been forgiven. And in our minds, we're going, no way. No way. God can't be that merciful. No, God is that merciful, and we have a problem with that. Until we need mercy, then we don't have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, those bad people, no, they don't. They shouldn't have mercy. But I'm not a bad person, but I need mercy. I need mercy. Mm-mm, no. In the body of his flesh through death to do what? Guys, this is so important. I encourage you to memorize this verse. That's why I'm taking you to these verses. Memorize this location. Memorize this verse. You're going to learn something. If you don't know it right now, you're going to learn something that's totally valuable for you in your Christian walk this morning. To present you holy. How did you become holy? You received Jesus as your Savior. Blameless. Who's accusing us before the throne of our God at night and day, according to Revelation chapter 12? The enemy. This is in your Bible, guys. If you don't think it is, you need to read your Bible. The enemy accuses us before our God day and night, the scriptures say. But God says, they're blameless. Why are you here? Why are you bothering me? They're blameless. I find no accusation against them. Why? Well, here's where you want to do a little study. And above reproach. I mean, how? what's Paul got to hammer home here? And why does he bother hammering it home? Because he knows, the Holy Spirit knows, that we like taking our sin back. And saying, well, God could never forgive me. God could never forgive me. God already forgave you at the cross. Get over it. Grow up. Time to leave it. Above reproach in his sight. When you look up those two words, above reproach, in the Greek, those are accounting terms. Those are accounting terms. In other words, if I buy a car and and I take out a loan and I make my final payment in July of 2019... And August of 2019 comes along, and I fill out a payment, and I send it to the bank. The bank sends it back to me. Why? Because there's no debt. It's clear. Matter of fact, they sent the title. We, we, what are you, why are you sending us money? You don't owe us anything. It's off the books. Forevermore, that loan is off the books. No one can ever come back and say, you owe more money. It's. Are you guys getting this? It's off the books. No record of, the, of a debt. Because your debt has been paid. The car is yours. That's, that's what's being said there. So do, are you guys grasping the depth of this? It's not scales. It's not scales. You've been washed clean. And I've done this many times, but there might be one person here that's new. And so this is why I encourage you to have a paper Bible. If you have a paper Bible, open it up like this. If you have a paper Bible, just open your paper Bible like this. For the rest of you, you guys can find a blank screen on your app and find it, or a filled screen, find a filled screen. But this is where it's a little bit easier if you have a paper Bible. Then go in the back of your Bible and find a couple pages like this and open them. These are not scales. You've been washed by the blood of the lamb at the cross. Not when you say today, I sinned today. Can I be forgiven? God says you've already been forgiven. But we do need to ask for forgiveness. That is a biblical principle. My heart needs to be right with God. God's always right with me. But so many Christians will beat themselves up over their sin. And they can't forgive themselves when God's already forgiven them at the cross. Stop beating yourself up and get into the Word of God. You should be glad that God has forgiven you, has cleansed you, and looks at you as white as snow. He does not see any of your sins because you have been forgiven. Back in Acts. Again, Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins... I have this highlighted in my Bible. I encourage you to highlight your Bible or your app, however you do that. May be blotted out. No scales. They're cast as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered, they're put into the depths of the sea. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus Christ who has preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration. That's where Jesus is right now. He's in heaven, but he is coming back. Which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. Notice capital P. A prophet like me from your brethren. So a fellow Jew. Jew him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you now we know looking back this is jesus and it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophets shall be utterly destroyed from among the people wow <laughs> but what is peter doing again he's referencing the scriptures guys he has opportunity to lead people to jesus and so he just doesn't get up and give a pep talk he takes them back to the scriptures. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's why you're here this morning. You're not here to hear a pep talk or jokes or family stories. You're here to hear the word of God because that increases our faith. That gives us the ability to press on and move forward. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, also foretold these days. You are sons and daughters of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, singular, not plural. That's a whole different study in and of itself. And in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his son, Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Notice here, Peter makes a bold statement. Made by Moses back in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Moses lived roughly 1500 BC, so roughly 3500 years ago. That those who do not look to Jesus, that future prophet spoken of by Moses through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit... They will not enter the kingdom of God. Is there a verse in the New Testament that's popping into your mind right now? In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, maybe specifically verse 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Not through Mormonism, Catholicism, any ism, but through me, the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of additional writings the Jesus of the Bible only. Abraham is mentioned here, and Abraham lived roughly around 2000 BC. And in verse 26, Peter again makes reference to being made clean, not through the temple sacrifices, but through the resurrection of Jesus, the servant of God. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Because it's all about the resurrection. For if Jesus didn't arise from the dead, then we have no hope. We are all deceived. We're sitting here this morning just deceived. And not only that, we're found to be liars because I believe that Jesus rose from the the dead. And Paul makes this case in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, in verse 15. And we are found false witnesses of God. That would be a liar. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen... Your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiful. You sorry Christians. You believe Jesus rose from the grid. Oh, you sorry, weak Christians. Well, as we look back in Acts chapter 4, now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Notice groups of people here being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus what? The resurrection from the dead. Guys, that's why we're here this morning. Jesus rose from the grave for you and I that we might have the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter is expressing the power of the Holy Spirit. He is out testifying now about Jesus. You and I, we have opportunity to testify of Jesus throughout the week. Uh, yesterday, I was running around getting parts because our, our car is down. And uh, this gal, was. when I came out of the store, she was in her truck, her dad's truck, and it wasn't starting. And she says, excuse me, my phone's dead. Can I borrow your phone? And I don't got a smartphone, so it's no big deal. So I just "Oh yeah, sure, borrow the phone. And so she called, and her dad says, okay, I'll be right there. I tried to get in, so I couldn't start it either. So there was some trick to it. But as before I left, I went into the glove compartment, got a gospel of John. And I said, hey, I want to give you the gospel of John. She goes, oh, I'm a believer. I go, have you heard of the gospel of John? No. (laughs) You're a religious person. Here's the gospel of John. Read the gospel of John. God loves you and desires a relationship with you. I just reached across, gave it to her, and then went about my business. Guys, we have opportunity throughout the week to spread the gospel, to reclaim the goodness. You see, the captain of the temple guard had oversight of what was taking place within the temple area. There were priests and Sadducees present as well while Peter was teaching the people. And we will see the Pharisees and Sadducees in Acts as the main accusers of the early church. The main problem that they had with the early church was the teaching of the resurrection of Jesus. You see, the Sadducees didn't believe in the bodily resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. That's how you remember that. Sadducees. And also denied the existence of angels or spirits. The Pharisees, they tried to be fair, you see. Balanced the scales. Believed in both. And these are the two groups that are going to come after the believers. So when they heard Peter talking about the resurrection, they became quite upset and decided that Peter's time of teaching had to be over. Verse 3, And they laid hands on them, not like we do for prayer here, but to arrest them, and put them in custody. Now they have a prison ministry. Until the next day, for it was already evening. Very interesting. The religious people, as they were speaking about Jesus, and guys, I firmly believe this is going to start happening in America. I'm not a fatalist, I'm a realist. I believe this is going to start happening in America. If you stand out, you know, Berkeley is, Berkeley is supposed to be a really smart place, right? That's where really smart people teach and really smart people go and spend a lot of money. This past week, Berkeley came out and they're doing away with pronouns. He, she, and everything. Instead of a manhole cover, <laughs> I'm offended. That's a manhole cover and I'm a female. Are you sure you're a female? Sorry. So, <clears throat> that's a manhole cover. So that, they've changed it. Now I think it's called a maintenance cover. They're changing everything. This really, these really smart people are pretty dumb. Because it's not going to change the fact that you're a male or a female. You're a man, you're a woman. Just go to the bathroom. It's quite obvious. It's it's just the way it is. But if we just change pronouns, then maybe people won't be able to figure it out and they'll be more confused, which is we see happening, and do things they shouldn't be doing, which we see happening, and taking their lives. Guys, this is a sad reality. People are getting so confused, they're committing suicide. And at the end of the day, if you stand up and say what I'm saying, you're the problem they're committing suicide. You're the reason you're committing suicide. Because you're mean. You're a bigot. You're a homophobiac. You're this. You're that. You're not loving. This is. If you don't think this is true, just speak out. You'll find out real quick. You're the problem. However, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of men came to about 5,000 people. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. This would be called the Sanhedrin. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power, by what name do you do this? Then Peter filled, notice that, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, notice that he keeps hammering the resurrection. By him, this man stands here before you whole. Let's look at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 and find something very, very interesting. Luke chapter 12. Few more scriptures. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, Jesus began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven or the false teaching of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Luke 12 verse 2. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear and inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear God, who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, reverence him are not two five sparrows sold for two copper coins and not one of them is forgotten before God but the very hairs of your head are all numbered do not fear therefore you have more value than many sparrows also I say to you whoever confesses me before men him the son of man also will confess before the angels of God but he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Right there is the unpardonable sin. It's the only sin that's unpardonable. Even right now this morning, as I am teaching, the Holy Spirit, if you're not a believer, is saying to you, Jesus is your Savior if you choose. You're a sinner in need of a Savior. I don't need Jesus. I don't need Jesus. That's the unforgivable sin. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You're calling the Holy Spirit a liar and you will not be forgiven. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, here's the key. Do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Let's wrap it up with Matthew chapter 24 as we think of what we just read. And here now, Peter is standing before the Sanhedrin after being in prison during the night, some type of cell. And he is now being bold via the Holy Spirit. Again, very important scriptures right here. Matthew 24. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Are any of you watching the news at all? With Iran wanting to wipe out the big Satan, which is America, and the little Satan, which is Israel. And they don't... They don't shy away from it. They say it on a regular basis. We are going to annihilate the big Satan and we are going to annihilate the little Satan. Of course, the word of God tells us what's going to happen to them. But when you hear wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And when you look up the word nation there, that's ethnos against ethnos. Black against white. Indian against Mexican, Mexican against white, ethnos against ethnos, ethnic group against ethnic group. Are we seeing that happening in our land? And there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. And all these things are the beginning of sorrows as the music team comes up. Oh, that's not in the scriptures. But as the music team comes up, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Hello, 2019 Christian, that's you and me. That's you and me. If we take a stand for Jesus, that's talking about you and me. Then they shall deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Notice that. Verse 12 is such a key for you and me this morning. And because lawlessness will abound, and if you don't think it's abounding in America or around the world, you got your head in the sand. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The end of verse 12 there. Don't close your Bible and don't shut your brain down. Because at the end of verse 12 is you and me. That word love there is agape. It's not phileo. It's not eros. It's not storge. There's four Greek words for love. Agape was coined for the New Testament. Committed, selfless, unconditional love. What is that saying? The love of Christians. The world can't have agape love because they don't have the Holy Spirit. So guys, this study is talking to you and me 2,000 years later. As we're living in these days, the love, the agape love of many will grow cold. Let them go to hell. We don't care about them. No, we do care about them. We care about the homosexual. We care about the adulterer. We care about the trans. We care about any person that's want, that doesn't understand who Jesus is. We care about them. The church needs to care about them and reach out to them. We are a hospital. We should be inviting people to the hospital to get saved. Guys, you and I, we have to guard, I have to guard my heart. You have to guard your heart. We're in the last days. Iran is called Persia in the Bible. They changed Iran in the 50s. Persia is coming against with Russia, with Libya, with Syria, Turkey, coming against Israel. Guys, we're in the last days. It could explode any day, any hour, any second with what Iran is doing with these oil tankers. It could explode and we could have another war within a matter of seconds. What are we going to do? Let's pray. Let's pray for our government leaders. Let's pray for their government leaders. But let's pray that God would use us this week to reach somebody for Jesus. Father, we thank you and praise you that we have the answers. That as believers, we might not have the political answers, but we have the ultimate answer. Because there's no politics in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. There's no genders in heaven. There's no issues of any of this nonsense in heaven we thank you father that we are one in christ and that you are going to be glorified in and through your church and that there will be a remnant as your word says even in the last days there's just going to be a remnant and lord we want to be a part of that remnant so fill us with your holy spirit even afresh now even new right right now father fill us with your holy spirit that you might be glorified lord In these last days that we might reach people for your son. We have so much. We're spoiled. Father, let us let us let that. We're so spoiled. Let's not become comfortable and complacent. Lethargic, uncaring. But let us be in the battle, the spiritual battle for souls of men and women, father, for children, Lord. As we see just the bizarreness in our public libraries, in our public schools. Father, use us this week in Jesus' precious name. Amen. While we all stand, guys, God bless you. Have a great week. If you need prayer, please come up. We would love to pray for you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, please come up and ask him to be your Savior. We will pray with you to receive Jesus as your Savior. There is a heaven, there is a hell. Don't play scales. You either know Jesus or you don't. God bless you guys. My author, my maker, my ransom, my savior.